and welcome to the year we started a podcast. It's a podcast born Phoenix-like from last year's podcast. I am your co-host, Jeff. And I'm your other co-host, Nick. And this is our podcast where we come together and <laughs> talk about some things that are fun and interesting to us, despite the fact that we're half cut apart. That's not the order that we normally talk about it. But uh, yeah, in addition to that, Nick, we also talk about uh, some news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon, which is a funny thing because I accidentally said that uh, intro from Dear Hank and John a while back. Nick, do you do you listen to your Dear Hank and John? <laughs> like how, I don't. You know, don't, I don't okay. know why. Yeah, but I don't. No, that's okay. Uh, that's actually good because that's going to make this a, a better experience for our listeners and you. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you, so. What do you know about AFC Wimbledon? Uh, little. That's the team that's owned by Hank, or partially owned by John Green, right? Yes, partially owned by John Green. Um, okay. They have a YouTube channel that all the proceeds go to um, to support the club. They have. Uh, historically been extremely fortunate to be where they are here recently. Uh, to give you the briefest of brief overviews of how they've gotten to where they are now, uh, they were a club that was moved somewhere else, and the the place that the club moved from wanted to still have a team, so they created a fan-owned team that started up through the ranks of, uh, of football over in Europe and has now... Uh, gotten to the point from an amateur league all the way up to now a a big grown-up league in the the third tier of English football or something like that. Because they have a re- relegation and promotion system, right? Where they like they each, do each basically. Season. Yes, exactly. So if you uh, are in the bottom four or something like that, uh, you get relegated down to the the bot the league below. And if you are in the top couple, you get uh, promoted up. Or if you're in the top like four or five, you have the opportunity to participate in a tournament to uh, get promoted to the the league above. So. Uh, I don't really know the details, so let's not <laughs> focus too much on that. I'm, I'm no, kind of poor on on the old uh, English football details. However, um, AFC Wimbledon, it's a, a really cool story because it was a fan-created thing. They uh, started in like the seventh tier of English football, and they've been promoted up. Uh, they've never been uh, relegated down to the tier below them. However... Recently, they've gotten to the point now where they've kind of uh, outperformed themselves uh, to some extent in the sense that they are the lowest budget team in the league that they are in now, which uh, causes challenges. Uh, They recently, though, were doing well enough that they were able to uh, rebuild the stadium in their old uh, like the old area where they used to exist uh, called Plow Lane. And it is now done, and they've started playing in that stadium. However, Nick, I'm not sure if you're aware or not, uh, ticket sales in London uh, football stadiums are a little bit down. Um, check, that, that does check out, <laughs> right? That does. I see. Okay. Continue. So, like, you know, if you're thinking of this from uh, the, the standpoint of an owner, you know, you've You've been very fortunate, or I guess you know all the fans are owners, but like from the manager, the team manager, you've been able to rebuild a stadium that is beautiful and now in a uh, an awesome area that will be able to bring in a lot of revenue, but that costs a lot of money, and there's not a lot of uh, people to be able to currently bring in that uh, revenue stream. So uh, until people are allowed to be in the stadiums, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. 
But this is the first year that they've had their stadium back in their old uh, their old place in Plow Lane, and they have absolutely struggled all season long. Um, Are they going to get relegated after getting their fucking so that back? that was the thing? Is like like it was so heartbreaking to see them like get to the point where they finally have the revenue stream to put together a good team. And they're like freaking last place Whoops. or close to last place all season long. Um, <clears throat> but Nick, uh, are they on like a crazy, <laughs> crazy tear to stay alive? Please, Nick. They they won four games straight with only eight games to play. They literally needed to win. Like they they needed to do that, which is just absolutely crazy. Because <laughs> to that point, they had only won, like, I don't know, like half a dozen games. Like it wasn't anything impressive at all. Uh, and they were like, they were so far gone, uh, but they won four games straight. Uh, since then they have tied a game and literally a couple days before recording this, uh, or actually it was yesterday afternoon, uh, they were at this point, which is crazy. They are at a point now where if they win one game or they tie a couple games, they're basically good. Um, hey. there's only, there's only two games left. Uh, so we're, we're getting close to the end of, of the season. They, they literally needed this so badly going into the most recent game. Uh, the team that they were playing against was one of the most likely teams to potentially knock them back down into relegation uh and they were losing to them the entire game and nick i'm not sure how familiar you are with uh soccer rules but at the end of the game they have stoppage time uh because yep. of like injuries and stuff like that um or like just just general i don't know weird soccer stuff it's soccer is a weird sport just, just anyway. weird soccer stuff as it is <laughs> yeah but anyways uh at the 97th minute they scored an equalizer goal uh, to, to tie the game, which which is just ridiculous. Like, they have not played this good all year. They did actually switch managers uh, or, or coaches um, maybe, uh, I don't know, like uh, four weeks ago, I want to say, or something like that, uh, which is really, really cool. The guy that they promoted to uh, be coach of the team has been with AFC Wimbledon, like, from the rebirth uh, that they had. That He used to coach, like, the youth team, and has now like he was a like assistant coach or whatever you want to call it in soccer rules, but like or in soccer land. But he he was a, a, like an assistant coach for a long time for ASC Wimbledon, and now he's the actual coach, and he's or manager, and he's doing absolutely fantastic. And like I've I don't I'm not a big soccer fan, Nick. This might come as a shock to you. No, totally. But like I have watched so closely this stupid soccer team. Uh, so closely like i don't know like at this because like nick and like we could go off on a whole topic on this but if you go back and look at how ridiculous it is that they are still in okay and i i'm looking at it now it's called league one assuming that they can get even a single point at this point uh they are good to go Jeez. Uh, like they were, they were so screwed nick they were for sure going to be relegated right? a single tie and and like last last season, the only reason why they stayed up was on goal differential, which is the number of goals scored <laughs> right, versus right. The goals allowed. They they stayed <laughs> up on goal differential. So they were tied. They were tied in whatever the the scoring metric is for wins yes, and losses. They were and ties, they were tied for the relegation <laughs> position. Yes, 
Oh, it's just like God, you, like every and like it has been Jeffrey. this way for a long time. I but I like the fact that now potentially assuming they can get at least one point or have something happen or have the other teams that are below them not go crazy and win uh, the, the last two games. They they're going to to stay up and they will have. Uh, the opportunity hopefully next year to continue playing with fans in the stadiums cross our fingers which will increase revenue and they can actually participate in league one instead of like just hanging on as the league or as the team in the league with the lowest budget like i'm so hopeful like it is like i i i love sports uh so much and and any underdog story in sports is always good right like it doesn't even have to it doesn't matter that you don't really especially like or know about soccer it's just like and I do have a main topic that is AFC Wimbledon specific, and I don't want to get into it because okay. like I, I can't do it justice. But they're like they they are truly a and uh, it's it's a very entertaining franchise to watch, and I'm very very excited at the uh, opportunity to hopefully uh, continue to watch them in the first. Uh, in Fingers league crossed. one in, in the first yeah, you're, league you're, whatever you're saying this a little a little preemptively like it's it sounds like they've been on a cinderella run that's been awesome but they do still need the one time <laughs> right? they, they, well they probably need one time but Nick, okay. i mean they okay. were so screwed like they were right. so so screwed and they, and they, they won they pulled four out that's they won that's four sick. straight games it had been five years uh and they were like in the seventh tier of english football when they originally did that so Damn. like it, it's been it's been a hot minute since they They've done something to that extent. Uh, so, yeah, I'm it like it doesn't matter. It's just stupid soccer that I don't care about. But like, man, I do love a good underdog story. And it's like the continual underdog story that I've been paying attention to for like the last few years. I, I love it. I'm so glad that they're doing OK. Uh, and we'll see what the next couple couple weeks bring. Um, but, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you up to date, Nick, through this podcast. Wait. Through, th- through this podcast, okay. Okay, so uh, Jeff, um, there is a really popular YouTube video that blew up today, or today, last week, um, by a guy named Johnny Harris. Do you know who Johnny Harris is? Literally no idea. Uh, he's, a, he's like a journalist guy. I think he works for Vox or something, or worked for Vox. I don't know. And he's got a YouTube channel with like a million people. But anyways, uh, AJ, who was our guest, guest a couple weeks ago, uh, sent me a video that he knew I would find infuriating and fun uh, about uh, the real reason McDonald's ice cream machines are always broken. Uh, have you seen the memes about the McDonald's ice cream about McDonald's ice cream machines? Oh uh, gosh, I can't answer this question without mentioning the thing that we talked about again in our stupid <laughs> Patreon no, you're episode. Fine. You're fine. The stupid TikTok where a person went through the McDonald's line and asked about how uh, if their machine or their ice cream machine was working and they said yes and then they ordered the ice cream thing and they said it was broken. I don't understand what exactly <laughs> this is about, but I feel like it's related, Nick. It probably is. Okay, so um, I am not going to try and do the exact... Uh, I don't, I don't want to... So, one, me just rehashing a YouTube video. The, the YouTube video does great justice to it, uh, to the, sop- the topic. It's actually surprisingly interesting for a topic that you would think of as not very interesting. Um, it's like 30 minutes long. It's by Johnny Harris. Uh, it's super interesting if you're into that kind of thing. But the quick and dirty is... Um, so, one, 
it's not just a meme. There are a ton of McDonald's ice cream machines down at any given time in the, the country. There is a somebody who made an app for it that tracks it. And on average, it's like 13% of the time the machine is down. Uh, at any given time at any given McDonald's or at any given time, 13% of America's McDonald's have the machine, the ice cream machine down. Okay. Now, the reason that this is an interesting thing to me and the reason that I think that it made a, you know, a YouTube video essay that was, has 4 million views right now is, uh, the ice cream machine that McDonald's franchises use is required to be purchased. The same is just the single one. When you like, you know, open a franchise for McDonald's, like you as the franchisee or whatever are required to go through certain things. And some of your equipment must be standardized and whatever else. Right. Mm -hmm. So this particular thing is through this old, 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 uh, partner. Uh, the, the ice cream machine is through an old, old, old partner of McDonald's, uh, named Taylor. They make this ice cream machine. Um, so the the Taylor ice cream machine, it's not that it's actually down or it's not actually broken, I should say. What it is, is that every now and then you have to run a cleaning cycle on these things. Okay. Now the cleaning cycle uh, is, is probably similar to like your oven's cleaning cycle, right? And it takes like four hours for it to, to clean. It's probably just to burn off the bacteria of whatever else, right? And if it doesn't successfully complete this, it will lock you out. Then... The next thing that happens is that there is like an obscure error code that your your freaking mm-hmm. average McDonald's employee who did not read the manual and also the manual does not always help you with this, uh, <laughs> even though it is several hundred pages and whatever. And it's a freaking, you know, machine user manual. So it's a pain in the butt. Uh, so ultimately, what you have to do is you have to call Taylor or, or whatever. And they have they send out you can only get an authorized Taylor repairman or whatever the hell to fix your stuff and they come out and they have a whole separate user manual and separate training on how to deal with this stuff and they charge like a hundred and thirty dollars for the first 30 minutes and then like three hundred dollars and this is like regional so it's not always the the, the graphic that they had was like 130 for the first 30 minutes that's like 315 dollars every subsequent 15 minutes to fix these damn machines so like these franchise owners are basically like okay will i spend thousands of dollars or not sell any ice cream and also have pissed off customers uh i guess i'll spend thousands of dollars the 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 video goes in a very big depth on like the the details of this because there's a lot there there's somebody who tried to make an app that uh in a device that like told the users what uh like what to do like it, it basically used the repair manual uh that the franchises don't get access to to like build a little uh device that tells you what's actually wrong with it and then sends you an uh, in an app and then through emails and stuff uh more direct instructions on how to fix it yourself so you don't have to call the repairman um mcdonald's found out about this and was like cut that cut that right now do not do that um and taylor makes like 25 percent of their yearly revenue off of freaking services and they like advertise about how good their technicians are and stuff but they also make freaking ice cream machines for a bunch of other companies like chick-fil-a and in and out and uh wendy's and whatever that don't have this issue at all at all at all and the thing that I thought about and the thing that uh, AJ uh, brought up to me 
is that this is just planned obsolescence. And it's like the worst thing in the world about tech is planned obsolescence. And it's like, this isn't planned obsolescence in terms of it going obsolete, but it is planned failure so that they can charge you to fix it. And it's been the, it's been the same machine since like 2003, Jeff. Why do they have to, like, they could have fixed it. They could have sent out a software update. They could have changed the practices. They could have made the repairs more universal. They could have just made a new freaking ice cream machine by now. There can't, it can't be that hard to make it more oh accurate. Gosh, you're making me oh man nick this- <laughs> jeff i want to let you know but like i'm not saying this to to be mean to anybody who buys a franchise because like i don't have anything against you but like my sympathies don't usually go to like the restaurant owner of when it comes to like ah well the tech is like it's it's not fair to their bottom line but like dude what a ripoff they get charged they get to get spend thousands of dollars to buy, to pay a repairman to come when they already paid a fucking have a, a, a language to have a, a franchise <laughs> i'm so upset for them i'm so upset for them it's so dumb oh my gosh um man uh yeah i we 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 could have an entire podcast about this i I think that planned obsolescence in tech is, uh, uh, I don't know how else to say it other than a bad thing. <laughs> like it, it is, <laughs> it is, it is not good. I think it nope. is good for companies and profit margins and etc. <laughs> but uh, I, I feel that is very much not the case for the average consumer. I googled planned obsolescence uh, legislation uh, for the United States. I am happy to see that my state of Kansas and your state of California are both uh, – we we do have some legislation trying to uh, defend the right to repair. Uh, because Okay, I guess I should say. like Yeah, the right to repair stuff is super important. Like this, this goes – like, okay, I have an iPhone. Uh, yep. iPhones are notoriously uh, hor- horrible <laughs> at their uh, – ability to be repaired by anybody uh but i mean even even people that do it professionally for a living like there are certain things that are just not great uh about that and i and the the industry is definitely moving to toward a direction where that becomes more and more the case that is by requirement there's no reason uh, that you can't replace a battery in a modern day smartphone but it Batteries is are cheap as hell they're so cheap I, but it is by design that that is very difficult slash impossible to do and i think that is so messed up like and it's by design that you have to go through an authorized uh an authorized repair person yeah. otherwise you void your warranty and some of your devices will even flag you for doing so they like will recognize hey that's that's not a uh, approved uh first party uh product that you put in here i will shut down now you shouldn't have done that that was mean and i it's not okay and not okay not to mention there are purposeful software versions of this where uh apple has done this and very many other software companies have done this sort of thing where uh they they will throttle performance in the quote unquote benefit of battery life uh, <laughs> to to make things perform worse. Jeff, um, I I just want to interrupt and I'll tell our our listeners. So um, I used to work as a computer and phone r- repair tech uh, back when the iPhone six got this uh had like when this became like a controversy. Let me tell you, people weren't happy about it, Jeff. 
when I, <laughs> they were not happy at oh, all. I, it's word. Yeah. I, I don't want to also take this time to just dunk on Apple over and over again. Um, I think Apple's had a lot of like really high profile cases of this. But let me tell you, most freaking tech companies would love, love to throttle you so that you're like, oh, well, it's been my two years. I guess it's just time for me to go get the new phone or the new laptop. Because two years is too long to have a, a tech, uh, you know, a wonder of technology. Yeah. And I like the thing is, I do feel like that there is benefit in tech companies like Apple or et cetera, like being able to uh, convince people that they should buy the new shiny thing because that encourages people to buy things that then result in revenue that then results in the ability to innovate and we have better products like that iterative process is good. But I, I agree. I do feel like that should be because the tech is better, not because the thing that they bought two years ago is now crappy. Uh, yeah, and would, artificially I, crappy is the thing, especially <laughs> that really sticks. It really does. Um, and I, I will also say on the uh, the there's a, there's an environmental side too that stinks a lot. There's an environmental side that stinks a freaking lot because e waste is like huge. And this isn't just, I mean, there's, this isn't just tech, tech too. I mean, you can see this in, uh, in cars as well and stuff like cars, but just, uh, I mean, we recycled a boatload, a boatload of old products, um, on trade-ins or on like, just like, oh, it's defunct because you broke the screen and it, you know, you don't want to buy a new screen. You want to go upgrade now? Cool. Okay. We'll, we'll deal with this hunk then. And like, you know, hopefully, we, you know, like where I worked, we had a e-waste program and like we could theoretically uh, recycle a lot of it. But I don't know how much of it was actually getting recycled. I mean, even if I, you told me like 50% of it is, that's great. But then there's 50% that's not. And it's, you know, a lot. So uh, so to round out uh, this evening's recording, Nick, I would like to talk about Judith Love Cohen. Do you know about Judith Love Cohen? I don't think so. First off, I, I just want to say, like, I, and I think this could be an entirely other topic, uh, but uh, women in STEM careers is a thing that has been a continual struggle for, honestly, our country, but also, like, everywhere. Like, it's, like... Totally. Which, if you're not familiar, what is it? Uh, science, technology, engineering, math? Is that STEM? I believe so. Okay. Believe so. Uh, but the... The involvement of women in those sort of careers has always been a thing in our country that has not gone super well. And I like to highlight uh, things where uh, people kind of push against that grain. So uh, she's a very interesting person uh, and is a very interesting person that has worked in an area where I find very interesting, which she was a part of the Apollo program, specifically Apollo 13. I will get to that in a second. But uh, so obviously there, there's definitely a reason why I know that, uh, that she's done her, the work that she's done. She originally was a electrical engineer, uh, but then kind of transitioned into the, the space sort of stuff. And she worked on the Hubble uh, Space Telescope team. Uh, She worked on the uh, tracking and data data relay satellite team, which, again, is a whole other conversation. But she also worked, like I said, on the Apollo Space space Program. 
Can I just say that the Hubble Space Telescope and the Apollo that's that's a pretty good resume. <laughs> those just those two items are pretty good. Yeah, resume. and uh, like it, it really is crazy. She also was a very talented uh, on the like kind of performing arts like front too. Uh, Dang, okay. She did ballet sort of stuff and opera. That's kind of rude of her. Like, that's kind of rude of her to be both like you know into successful with STEM and also creative and artistic. Like, could she could she leave a little bit for the rest of us? Because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I I didn't get both of those. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, some some of us get neither. Um, <laughs> and then uh, when she retired, she actually also founded uh, a, a children's publish or children's book publishing company, uh, which uh, published more like like it was like twenty something books before she died in twenty sixteen. Uh, so like, yeah, totally Damn. totally cool person. Did you know performing arts also. Did a lot of lots of space engineering type stuff. Uh, super super cool. I just want to go through some of her life and some of the things that she did and talk a little bit uh, about that. And I think it's really cool. That is really cool. Uh, uh, this is obviously like a, a, a easy uh, uh, call. Did you see Hidden Figures? I have not seen Hidden Figures. Should it, I have? It's about uh, yeah. So I. I so I don't see movies nearly enough, and I, this is a movie that I was supposed to see like three times with coworkers, and every time it just fell through. And it's just a story of me not being good at going and seeing movies. Um, but it's, oh, a, it's a yeah, it's about uh, I need Black to watch it. On yeah, I know, I, yeah, I know what it is now. Yeah, I I for sure need to watch this. This was a movie that was that came out uh, the year that my son was born. So therefore, <laughs> I, got, I like how got I like how tossed we, uh, to the wayside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But continue, continue. This this is a very much hidden figure sort of segment here. Uh, yeah. So 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 yes. Honestly, you should probably stop listening to our podcast and go watch that show. It kind of oh, gives yeah. the same spirit of the thing, just a different story. But yeah, uh, she's a very driven person. She kind of, and I I really love this uh, the sentence because it really resonates with myself. Uh, by fifth grade, Cohen's classmates were uh, paying her to do their math homework. Uh, she was often the only woman in her math classes, and she decided uh, that she wanted to be a math teacher. Not that I was the only woman in my math classes, but I... I assume. Yeah, thank you. I actually looked up uh, some of the STEM statistics uh, for people uh, these days, and back in 1980... Not even ten percent of engineers were women, both in in study and in profession, which is just crazy. Uh, and it is even honestly not that much better today. Like we we still really suck at that. Uh, it's gotten a little bit better, but still something that we need to grow on a lot. And for sure, just <clears throat> anyways, one of the the things that she worked on while uh, working for NASA was the uh, abort guidance system on the Apollo lunar module, and which it I assume abort guidance system means to abort out of a dangerous situation. Yeah, basically, it uh, seems important. It, it is important if it matters, and turns out it did <laughs> um, quite a lot. Uh, yeah. So, the if you're not familiar, uh, Apollo 13 uh, didn't do so hot uh, and needed to return to Earth. It wasn't going to be able to land on the moon and complete its mission. And the uh, the abort guidance system was exactly what ended up being used uh, in order to make that be a success. And freaking 
Tom Hanks and company did a fantastic job of doing it justice in cinema. cinema but, but you have like, to assume that, that it's actually most of the work is from whatever program is like guiding and fixing uh, the problem or guiding well, and, you out of it. Yeah, like, what, what I was going to say is like there's so much emphasis put on the scientists that like uh, like all you know did the war room thing where they you know thought of all the different ways to make all that happen. But at the end of the day, the reason why that was able to even happen in the first place was because of people like her who made that even a possibility. And that doesn't get a lot of press, and I think it should. Like, the fact that there was such a robust uh, ability for uh, the agility of the, the Apollo 13 program to be able to reuse stuff that was supposed to be used to go on to... Uh, to the moon and to make it back home that could be reused in in the middle of uh, everything that was going on to be you know a thing yeah. that was the catalyst to make it back home to earth and to slingshot back around the moon like what on like it is absolutely that's mind-boggling that was ba- the word slingshot back around the moon like yeah that's a little mind-boggling is the exact right word for that yeah, yeah like absolutely crazy so she did that, um, and like I said earlier, uh, she would also go on to uh, do work in children's book publishing. During her funeral, uh, she so her son, one of her sons uh, that was that has now gone on to do lots of cool, uh, g- good work in like GPS technology and smartphone technology. Of course, like like if <laughs> like you couldn't, <laughs> you would expect no less with having a mother like right. that. Uh, but she definitely uh, thought that her work on the Apollo program was, you know, one of her her best works. Like she was so dedicated to her craft. Uh, he shared one of the stories about how this wasn't specific to the Apollo crisis, but when she was working on the Apollo program, she had uh, started working on some stuff and was working on a problem. Uh, but she was pregnant at the time and. Went to go have a baby, uh, and she printed off like she went to work on the day that she had uh, her child. Uh, so she went to work, printed off the stuff that she was working on currently, and while she was in labor, and the day after, finished the problem and sent it off to her boss, like the solution to everything. Uh, and Nick, what badass! What like totally badass? Yes. Um, uh, the kid that she gave birth to during that story, Nick was Jack Black. This is Jack Black's mom. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I just want to put out. So the one brother was was uh, was a freaky <laughs> was a scientist who worked on uh, on GPS and smartphone stuff and also Jack Black. That's a really, that's a yes, really wide range I, for the two brothers to turn out. That's great. Like I like in reading this story, which I I had caught on to and tossed into uh, my list of things to talk about uh, a while back and I saw it pop up again. I'm like, man, I just need to talk about this thing. I I think that is so interesting because, like, if you're <laughs> if you're young Jack Black and you have the most badass mom ever, and you have your older siblings that are, like one of them is like this crazy just scientist. Want to do your own thing, right? And and like and she is a person who participates in ballet and like knows this like the artistic side of things. That's a good point too. And is now like in later in life doing children's book stuff. Like man, what like it makes sense why he is so like the way that he is because like yeah. I mean, you know, 
critics aside, like Jack Black's a very interesting person because he is a very driven yeah. uh, artistic talent. Like he is, he does his movies and stuff, and he's very weird, <laughs> crazy, uh, but also is a very gifted musician and. I don't know. Like it's a very interesting thing. And I did I, I did not know that about, that he had uh, like such a successful parent. That's awesome. That's yeah. super cool. Super cool. And you're you're totally right. Like that that would be like that would set you up to really like believe that anything's possible if you have like this mother who's like, oh yeah yeah. I not only worked on NASA the Hubble telescope, but I also also was a, su- a successful in creative endeavors and like wrote kids books and so, like you just think you could do anything. You just think like anything yeah, is possible. I mean, really, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I thought that was a fun story. Uh, I it, it's one of those things where the the person in and of itself uh, lends itself to uh, you know a person that deserves recognition. But just the fact that she was also the parent of a ridiculously successful actor, musician, person right. is also just really interesting. I don't know. Like it, that that is that was a very cool thing. Anyways, I, I just wanted to I, share that and to, to go to go back to the the story of her uh, working through ch- working through the day she gave birth to a child. Whether she, I, I assume she didn't actually work on the project while mid labor, right? But like, freaking dude, I think I have a pretty good pain tolerance, but my work ethic goes away when I'm like incapacitated. What a badass to be like so driven and focused to be like no 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 I've got I've got a problem man this is this is fine I I will deal with it I, I, yes I'll be tired after giving birth or whatever but I'm gonna finish, I'm gonna finish my work I got a problem to solve oh what a man badass. as a as a person who has watched the process happen twice I should assure you that we should stop giving our opinions on it literally immediately well my my only opinion is that's gotta be worse than anything I've dealt with so if you can do anything at all if you're even willing to speak to a human being then kudos to you <laughs> sure uh <laughs> yeah we should we should uh you know Cut quickly, quickly yeah. step away yeah. uh, uh okay. from that but uh no yeah i thought it was really cool and i think that more more of these type of people should be things that we talk about uh in the public discourse of like you know the, the like honestly she is a totally badass woman and uh she yeah. has a very cool story has some cool kids too uh so it was was a fun thing if you enjoyed the show you uh like we mentioned at the top we have uh our patreon only podcast uh the year we started another podcast really cleverly named um you can support us at patreon.com forward slash tywasap t-y-w-s-a-p but most importantly you can share this with a friend that is how we uh grow this thing uh there's literally almost no podcast that i listened to that wasn't something that somebody had mentioned to me at some point that i should check out so if you can and are willing please share that with a friend uh you can also follow us on uh twitter facebook instagram tiktok youtube anything honestly other than snapchat at tywasap t-y-w-s-a-p again um you can enjoy all of the fantastic constant updates that we always always do very consistently on all those uh <laughs> social media channels like we're s- so so active always you know um, me it's me really it's it's all my brainchild you're all welcome for my constant activity the yes. end. nick nick is our social media manager so if you have any complaints please direct them toward him hold on a second <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah of course uh all those things aside so uh, thank you so much for listening uh, and Nick, thank you so much for taking the time and potting with me. You're welcome. This has been the year we started the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.